many aspire to reach the upper echelon of the healthcare industry, but few are able to successfully navigate the corporate ladder. As Asia becomes the world epicenter of the healthcare industry, C-Suite Partners sits down with international healthcare executives, asking the tough questions and unpacking the personalities of the top industry leaders. Welcome to the boardroom. Mark, thank you for joining C-Suite Partners in the boardroom. Thanks, Michael. Very interested, just to understand your career to date, can you give us the Reader's Digest version of what's been happening? Sure, I guess it's sort of really in two discrete chunks. Uh, I started my career with BHP originally, um, and then that led to a role with a company called Ashton Mining that had an interest in the Argyle Diamond Mine, so the first 20 years of my life was all in resources. Mm -hmm. That came to a close around 2000 uh, when the Ashton was taken over by Rio Tinto. I was looking around and thinking, well, uh, if I take another mining job, then I'm gonna be the resources guy for my entire career. Mm -hmm. So I made the decision to move into healthcare. So that sort of brought on this second phase of my career where most of the last 20 years has been focused in, in healthcare roles. So what do you believe are the key considerations for the next three to five years for executives coming into healthcare? Uh, look, I think the big challenge is going to be the rate of change uh, and when you sort of put that against, I think, a tightening funding model. Um, mm -hmm. You know, healthcare is one of those interesting businesses where there's no shortage of demand for what any of us provide. But because of an ageing population, there's this incredible pressure mm -hmm. on whoever's funding that. And okay. obviously government has a big role in that, insurers have a big role in that, and patients have a big role in that. It's interesting, the conversations I've had with executives is that healthcare's had quite a good run up to the past year or two. Do you think uh, healthcare executives or CEOs should be looking at people outside of industry to bring a different skill set or a different lens to, I suppose, come up against these challenges? Uh, look, I think it's always better if you've got a blend rather than rather than mm. sort of all one or all the other. Uh, if I reflect on my experience at Sigma over the past eight years, I mean, we brought in a lot of people when I first got into the role from outside the industry because I wanted people to challenge what we did and how we did it. But what you lose then is the content knowledge. And this is, mm. a, this is an industry that has a lot of regulation and a lot of subtle subtleties to it. So, you know, in an ideal world, you want some of that external experience, but I, th I think there's a value to people who've been there and made the mistakes and yes. what they can add as well. So, you know, I'm always looking for a blend, to be honest, because both sides have something to bring to the table. Based on what you've just said now, giving people the opportunity, when's a time you've hide someone that hasn't worked out. Can you remember some situations? Uh, yeah, I can. Um, and invariably, it, it, it's more about something that niggles you in an interview that you can't quite put yeah. your finger on. It's true, um, isn't it? Uh, you know, as I've, as I've got older, I think I've learnt more to trust my gut. I mean, it, yes. sort of, it sort of sounds a bit strange to say, but when you're in an, an interview process, sometimes there's someone who looks eminently qualified for the yeah. sort of role that you're chasing. But there's just something that doesn't quite <laughs> you can't put your finger on right. You mm. can't. And I guess what I've learned over the years is nine times out of ten that bobs out sometime yeah, right, later on. Yeah. Right? You, you couldn't properly define it. I guess it's a it's an inherent weakness of that sort of interview process that you can't quite dig those things out in those short format sort of um, presentations. But um, yeah, it's it's 
It's always, I've learnt that if there's something niggling you in the interview, yes. right, unless you can chase it down, then you're probably better not to hire that person. Definitely. So you go back 10 years. What advice would you give yourself now that would, would have helped you a little bit more in your executive career? Oh, I think try not to stress so much. Really? Yeah, like it's, it's, it's hard to manage it in a way that doesn't sort of chew up a lot of unnecessary energy on the way through. Mm. Um, and stress always comes from things you feel like you can't control. I think for all of us, if you're in difficult circumstances, but you can see a path forward, right? That, that very rarely comes with stress, but when the world's happening to you, mm. and it's happening to you in a way that negatively impacts either you personally or your business, that's quite difficult to control. Now, the truth is most of us get through those experiences yeah, yeah. most of the time. I, mean, I always say to my kids, you know, all the things you worry about, every time you get through it, take advantage of the fact that you got through it and build for next time. And mm. I think it's the same in business, but it's hard to apply and practice when, when, when the blowtorch is really on. It's, it's interesting, I, I like this topic because a lot of people seem to make these snap decisions when they're under stress. Are, are there any techniques that you use? Personally, for me, you know, we, we don't work in an industry where you have to make decision right now. You can get up and walk out and think about it or do you sort of create some distance and say, let's, let's revisit this? Are there any techniques that you've used to make sure your decision-making process is a little bit uh, better? Look, I don't, I, don't, I don't feel like the stress actually impacts the quality of my decision-making. Okay. So I, I, I've never felt in those circumstances that you know, I've either made a decision too quickly or too slowly. I think the one thing I have consistently used is when I'm really not sure what I should do, because you do strike those periods as a CEO, mm. I, I sort of go back to what if this was my business? Yes. Right? It brings an amazing clarity to it, right? Because particularly in a sort of a publicly listed environment, it, it's still one step removed in terms of the actual ownership mm. of, yes. of the business per se. So quite often, I, you know, if I really get to a point where I'm really not sure what to do, I, I sit there and say, well, if this was my business, if I owned it, lock, stock and barrel, what would I do? And it does, as simple as it sounds, bring an amazing level of clarity because it, and it comes quite quickly, interestingly, because yes. You, and I suspect it's because you probably know what you should do, mm. right? But when you're in this other environment, you just don't get there as cleanly. But when you think about it, well, if this was mine, what would I do? It, it comes quite quickly. That's very interesting. I, I worked for Westpac when Gail Kelly was CEO, and that was something that stuck with me that she just said, if this was your business, no matter what it is, if you're going out to a consultancy firm or you're spending budget, if this was your business, would you do that? And it just gives you that perspective of actually that's so a cost. It, come, it comes quite quickly, right? It and does. I, I, it always puzzles me as to why it doesn't, doesn't work as it should normally. But um, when I get stuck, that's, that's always my go-to go tactic. Perfect, Mark. Well, thank you very much for spending time with C-Suite Partners in the boardroom. Thanks, Mike. Thank you.